so there's this thing that I notice sometimes where it's like I have these high high highs and then I have these others that are just like low 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 lows right and it's kind of tricky because it's like it's quite a process of developing that like self-love compassion component piece because it's like intellectually I want to be there right it's like I want to you know I want to be able to just like intellectualize everything and to be able to intellectually like get myself out of you know my own sorrowful you know emotionally charged intense places right and you know I might also know that yeah like if I'm having a hard time then I'm supposed to like physically process it. I'm supposed to be doing some kind of yoga or some kind of moving physically through those emotions and, and like actually feeling the feelings, right? But then there's that part of me that's just like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, it, it, I go back to that place that I would go in my therapy sessions, right? Where it's like, you know, the therapist says something like, you know, envision yourself in that place the first time that you felt shame, for example, or the first time that you just felt the onset of this feeling, basically, right? The first time you felt this feeling, right? And, you know, so, you know, I felt the power of, of healing, of going there, right? Going there and then imagining not just that little girl suffering, but also imagining myself being like a guardian angel, kind of like, a godmother kind of figure person and just going and picking up that girl and taking care of her, right? But that's a very intellectual way of dealing with that kind of sorrow, right? When someone's like in the height of that level of um, upset and, you know, it's like, what do you do? And so, yeah, like I was praying today and I was like, please help me to apply all the things I know. You know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be some kind of faithless person. I don't want to be somebody that is just going to like give up, right? But then there's that other side that's like, okay, so then I'm praying and then the answer comes. It's like, well, you can, you know, like, the next thing that you could do is, you know, and then I get like three different ideas. So I move forward with one and I'm like listening and trying to like pay attention, move forward to another, try to pay attention, move forward to another, try to pay attention. And, and then I'm trying to also like do the cleaning thing because I notice I do better when I do the cleaning thing. It's like cleaning therapy, right? It's like when I go to someone's place and I go do it for two hours, it's almost like uh, not the same level as when I do yoga and like teach yoga, but it's similar, right? Like it's very vigorous. It's very demanding, very like, you know, but it's also creating a beautiful product, right? When I, when I do yoga, it's like I'm creating a beautiful product of someone's soul being a little bit more carved. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like they're able to see their soul for what it is a lot more clearly and the beauty that that's actually there and when I like go and clean it's like I get this opportunity to like mold and shape a space 
to what what its original intention was, right? You know, letting go of all the extra clutter, the extra dirt, the extra grime and everything and just just carving out what, what was actually there the whole time, right? Kind of like, I think someone said it once, like I think it was like somebody, like a famous carver person, sculptor person that said like, you know, that's all I'm doing as an artist. I'm just carving out what was there the whole time. Um, and that's what they're doing. And I like that description. Um, so that, that's why I like those kinds of things, right? Like they're very physical and they, they are kind of artistic in some form and, and they're really fulfilling, right? And I guess, you know, it, it's been humbling for me recently because I've been just kind of dabbling a little bit more with, with just the reality of disabilities, right? The reality of what, is, what does a life look like post-mental illness, schizophrenic, mother, you know, lifestyle, and, and what does is, what is an adult child's life looks like, look like from there on? It's like, I kind of, I remember as a youth, I really did feel like I needed support, right? So I would go to like the schizophrenia chapter of the place, the region that I was in, just to see if there was like other youth that were struggling like I was, and just like to get that kind of support. But it seemed that really like most youth just gave up. Like there was nobody that was like reaching out to get help, right? And so then it just, then it also then felt alone again. But you know, like maybe that's part of what is mine to do, right? Maybe that's part of me learning that there's this huge gap where, you know, like I guess there's one in five people that have schizophrenia and then like the repercussions to their families because they have that, right? And, you know, at the time, I was just so mad about it. I was like, why is this even a thing? Why do people have to have that as their life? Why do they have to have that kind of trouble? Why do they have to have family members that are affected by that kind of a trouble? Why does it have to be? And then as I was able to embrace it when I did, like as an 18-year-old, you know, I got the prompting to not just like run away from it, but to actually stay with it and stick with it for a year at least, right? And be the kind of person that could just like find out what this was about. And it just turned out that that was the year that my mom, right? Like that she got to get the medication she needed, right? Up until that point, she was spending like the next 10, like she got her diagnosis when I was nine, right? And then like, you know, 10 years later, it, it wasn't until 10 years later that she actually started getting the medication for it, right? And, and I just felt like, what was that, right? Like, I feel so sad that it took that long for her to get the help that she needed. And that it needed to come from her daughter to help her with that. And like, in some ways, I feel so poor about that situation. It's like, why? Why does somebody that's suffering have to be so dependent on somebody else to help them? It just makes me wonder what her life would be like if I didn't stay home that day, that year, right? To help in that way. And I, I guess I can just have a, a piece of gratitude to be like, maybe that was okay though. Maybe it was okay. Because Heavenly Father knew that there was a way to help. And that 
it just took my humbling in some ways to make that happen. And, you know, in some ways, like, I feel like that's so unfair, right? Uh, like, to put so much pressure on a kid to step up and and become something that they're not currently. And, and you know what I mean? But at the same time, that is kind of the call of people that have, you know, illness and disabilities in their families, right? It's like, everybody has the call. Many are called, few are chosen, right? And so that, I think that's just what it is. It's like learning to be okay that this is part of being called and this is part of being chosen and, you know? And so maybe that was okay. Um, and not even maybe, it was okay. All's well that ends well, right? And though, but then here's me having the repercussions of an adult that didn't, didn't really get a childhood, didn't really get much of a youthhood kind of, right? And, and then just like, you know, like the repercussions of, of feeling like, you know, as a kid not being supported most of the time, right? Like, and having a parent that was constantly sick, right? And, and just like those repercussions. Like I was studying today in the scriptures about like, uh, it was 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and it was talking about being a cheerful giver. And I just flashed back to all the moments in my life when I was so grateful for cheerful givers in my life because I never had that in my home, right? It was always the feeling of like um, obligation, right? And like, but there wasn't, there wasn't like this freedom feeling of feeling like, oh, I'm so glad you're here kind of thing, like this overabundance of gladness. And that's what I feel like a cheerful giver is able to access. It's like they know how loved they are. And so they have this like overabundance that they are so happy to pour into anyone that can walk into their footsteps, right? Like walk into their path, right? And that's what I want to tap into too, because I think of all the good people in my life that I know my heavenly parents put there on purpose so they could give me a testimony of what does it look like to have a cheerful giver, right? I may not have had that, you know, in my home a lot, but I had it at school, right? I had it at like, you know, different clubs that I was in, different parents of my friends. Almost every single one of my friends had like a fantastic parent that was a cheerful giver, right? But at the same time, you know, that was me looking looking in, right? I was an outsider looking in, right? Like that's because in all of those situations, there's these people that are professional and they're in a professional place or they're in a public space and that's their public face, right? The public face just so happens to be a cheerful giver kind of a face, right? So here I am trying to learn the, the art of how do you be a cheerful giver when it's of the day-to-day -day grind, right? It's the day-to-day -day grind where, you know, a person is just trying to process their own relationship with their heavenly parents, their own relationship with their self, their own relationship with their spouse, their own relationship with their children, right? And what does that look like, right? Like, what does that look like? And I think lately I've just been trying to step into this mindset of like, you know what? 
it just looks like what it looks like for each person, right? It's there's no cookie cutter way of what it's supposed to look like, but it's actually more about just finding out what that looks like for you, right? And, the, and then I think that's where the piece comes in, right? Um, because I think so often I do. It's easy for me to get caught up with, well, what is, what, how does everybody else do it, right? Like, uh, whereas instead, what if I could step into that place more often of like, well, how, how, how could I do it, right? What does what, me doing this look like? Right? What does it look like one second at a time? What does it look like? Because I'm all about this micro habit thing. Because I realize there's no way that I'm going to be able to like eat an elephant whole. Um, and I'm really into the whole micro habit thing. This whole idea that, yeah, we have an opportunity to make great things happen by small and simple ways. Right? By small and simple things, great things come to pass. Right? And so that's, that's what I think about this whole micro habit thing. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a legit thing. It's like, you know, just, just pay attention to what you can do this second, right? Pay attention to what you can do this, you know, right now. And like in, you know, in the, in the small moments that you can control and do something about. And so I'm just, I'm really grateful because, you know, there's, there's, it's easy for me to get all flustered and confused and frustrated and, you know, kind of like, I don't know if the word is melancholy, right? But like, it, it can be so easy for me to get cynical and critis criticizing and all of this, but when I can get back down to the grounds and the foundation and the basis of what it is that I'm doing, it's easier for me to be like, you know what? It's gonna be okay, right? everything is going to be okay. It's just, this is just a part of the process of me growing, right? Of me learning, of me becoming, right? And, and, and then I can find some level of peace with that to be like, this is what it looks like, right? This is what becoming looks like, right? It's, it's not, you know, it's an ordinary thing, right? I was so grateful for that thing, the, the, one of the most recent podcasts that I listened to, the homeschool mom, and it was just so grounding to hear her say, it's okay to have ordinary days, right? Because I think for a long time, I, I had this facade in my head that every single day had to be like a party, right? It had to be like a grand celebration every single moment, every single day, right? And, and I just had this idea you know, uh, that I was just constantly failing because I wasn't able to live up to that, right? This, this idea of what I thought it should be, right? But lately it's been kind of interesting to just kind of step into this zone of like, no, this is actually what life should be, right? This is actually what life is, right? This is, you know, like I just, I think maybe it's just because perhaps I, I fell into that trap a little bit because in my growing up, Every single day was a mundane, boring, ordinary, less than ordinary kind of a day, right? Unless if it was Chinese New Year, that was basically it, right? Like there was no big thing about birthdays really, nothing about Christmas, nothing about any other holiday. You know, we would, we would come home from school because it was a, a strike or it was a holiday or it was a weekend. And I remember it being the most depressing thing ever because it was just like, oh my goodness, now I'm gonna have like the next 48 hours of nothing, right? 
and it was just daunting. It was super daunting. But, you know, I can't say that I could blame that on the adults that were around me, necessarily. Like, maybe their life was even worse. Maybe their best to offer me was ordinary versus worse than, worse than ordinary, right? You know what I mean? And, and I can give them that, right? Like, absolutely. I'm sure their lives were worse than ordinary. So them giving me ordinary was like a peaceful, beautiful gift of just a regular life, right? So that I could make something from that, right? So, you know, that's like me coming to my healing place about, about my past, right? And what my perception of it was then. But what my perception of it now can be because I have greater insight and greater perception and perspective about what, what does an adult life look like and what are the pressures that are put on an adult just to be an adult, but then what are the pressures put on them when they are also, um, they've chosen to be a parent person and, and you know, like you gotta give the parents a break sometimes, right? Because clearly every parent that's become a parent, there's rarely a parent that's done it like three times, right? That's like, oh, I'll have two kids, then I'll wait 20 years, and then I'll have two more kids, and then I'll wait 20 years and have two more kids. You know what I mean? Like, every parent that's a parent is doing it for their first time, and so they're figuring it out as they go. They, they have some ideas of how they want to make it go, but, like, you know, you can only micromanage plans so much be, until you start to realize that your micromanaged plans were just, like, you know, in some ways kind of in vain because, like, clearly you could only really plan so much right like you can only anticipate so much and then from then on you just got to be able to move with what's relevant and what's actually current and what's actually the most important and what's the most essential and what you know what I mean so it's just kind of a fascinating journey to just kind of allow for the space to be what I am and to live the way that I live and to not just to not allow for so many of my triggers to run the show right you know i get triggers i have gotten triggers like a lot in the recent past right in the last year or two or whatever where it's like i'm trying to run a good regular day and then just something pops up in the day that reminds me of this bad memory that i have about whatever and then i get spun out and then I'm just kind of in this world of like, okay, like I thought I was here, but now I'm having a time warp. You know, it's kind of like that feeling, like, you know, you watch a movie and there it's like a time warp show and the kids are like trying to do something and then suddenly something happens and then they time warp back to this place without them choosing, right? That's kind of how I feel inside sometimes. It's like I go into this time warp and I'm like, what the heck? Like I was just trying to have a regular experience. Well, how am I suddenly like now time traveling back to this time when I wasn't even trying to really go there, right? But it's like my spirit is like, no, we're going there, right? It's like my spirit is like, now is the time to heal. Now is the time to go there. It's coming up for a reason and, and you're healthy enough to be able to handle this now and you're healthy enough to be the kind of person that could look at this, this past trial, this past memory, whatever, and, and look at it with fresh new eyes and, and do something about that, right? Like kind of like that guardian angel mother figure person. And so that's kind of where I'm taking that now. It's like before I used to be like, no, 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 no more triggers. Like I don't want to have this power of being able to time travel and like, you know, do that stuff. Like just like 
take that power away, take that gift away of being able to like be healed enough and present enough to handle like some of those past hurts and 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 confusions and you know different things like that. But recently, it's like you know what? Maybe that's okay. Maybe it's okay that yeah, I'm in a season where I'm I'm healed enough to be able to deal with some of that and and that it's all going to work out, but this is a part of it all working out, right? Recently, I was <laughs> I was just like, okay, so when I teach a yoga class, I usually start it with like kind of like a spiritual thought or moment or like kind of like insight or things like that and then I kind of invite people to just kind of think about that and like let that kind of like munch through as they're breathing into their poses and things so one of the things that I mentioned was just like I think it was actually at the end of a class but basically I was just saying I just feel like I'm entering a new chapter of my life right a new chapter of my life where you know instead of just being constantly this like baby in a car seat crying and crying because you know my my parents are taking me to Disneyland but all I can focus on is how much I am uncomfortable in this car seat right or like being a grumpy teenager just like being dragged along just like just feeling like a sheep right being herded around um, all the while like my parent is trying to give me like the greatest gift that they could possibly give me right and, and I feel like I'm finally turning a chapter in my life where I'm just like, you know what? It is a gift. I'm actually able to see it for the gift that it is, and I want it. I want it. So now I'm calmly sitting in this road trip where my heavenly parents are driving me along, bringing me to a, an amazing destination, and I'm excited about it, right? Like, that's, that's what is starting to happen in my new chapter right now. It's like, it's like I'm starting to... To learn how to be on that team on the team of of just like the miracle making team like I've always wanted to be on but like even more than that like the miracle receiving team where it's like there's miracles all around and then like what am I gonna do so that I can actually access those miracles and allow for those miracles to be the blessing that they're intended to be 